Jesus himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Please open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter number 21. John, chapter number 21. I want to look at some verses that are very familiar to most of you, I think, but something that we need to think about often and very seriously. John chapter number 21, we begin our reading in verse 15. So when they had dined, boy, that must have been something, amen, have dinner with Jesus. Think about that. After he's been crucified, after he has risen from the grave, after he has spent this time with them, instructing them, And they dined, it says, And Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Sheep. We should all spend as much time as possible thinking about the love of Christ for us. We cannot think about it or sing about it or preach about it too often. We need to stay focused on the fact that He loves us with an unconditional everlasting love that will never let us go. But in addition to thinking about His love for us, we need also to think about our love for Him. And you better think about it because He is. He is. That's very apparent here in our reading this morning. In Peter's case, I want you to notice that he even inquired as to its existence, he said three times, lovest thou me? I want you to notice this inquiry from the Lord, and maybe a question would be in order at this point. How do you feel about your love for Christ being called into question? You know, it's one thing for somebody to ask how you're going to vote. It's another thing for somebody to ask what team you're rooting for in the World Series. But it's another thing altogether when somebody says, Do you love Jesus? Does that embarrass you? Does it make you angry that somebody would do that? Well, you know, if that's so, it might be a good indication that something is, is amiss in your life, that something's wrong. You know, we we shouldn't be embarrassed or angered by the fact that somebody wants to know whether or not we love Christ. 
And uh, it ought to be obvious. No one should ever have to ask that question in the first place. It's kind of like somebody said, you know, if you, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to, to convict you? Well, with a lot of people, there might not be. Whenever we examine what a Christian is in the light of what the Bible says, and we look at all of the evidence, there are a lot of folks that profess to be Christians who are not Christians at all. And here we see the story in our text is even more serious than that because it's the Lord Himself who is asking this question. It's not Peter's peers. It's not his enemies. It's Christ Himself, the one to whom all of us must ultimately answer to. Now, you mark it down. If it was necessary for Peter to answer that question, then it's certainly necessary for each and every one of us. So it's not at all out of order this morning for me to ask you to examine your life as to whether or not there is evidence of your love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, remember Peter is someone who had left all to follow him. How many people like that do you know? Well, you say, I know, I know a few. Yeah, well, that's it. You know a few. But I mean people who literally left everything, as Peter did, for the sake of following Christ. Not only that, but he had stood publicly and declared his love for the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, he said he would even die for Christ. And in fact, he did risk his life for Christ. He grabbed a sword and was going to defend the Lord. So here is a man who is serious about his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet three times he's questioned about his love for the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the exact words that are used here in this dialogue. Notice in verse 15 and verse number 16, where Jesus says, Lovest thou me? It's not evident in the English, but in the Greek, it's the word agape. It's the God word. It's the same word that describes that God kind of love. When it says in John 3.16, God so loved the world, it's that word agape. It's the kind of love that is sacrificial in giving, the kind of love that God has for us. And so that's the question. It's as though that Christ is asking Peter, do you love me like I love you? And each time, Peter responded, but not with the same word. He responded with a word that means fond of. Lord, I am fond of you. Now, verse 17, and at this point you know that Peter is ashamed, too embarrassed to answer, Yes, Lord, I love you just like you love me. And so now in verse 17, the Lord uses the word that Peter has been using. He says, Peter, are you even fond of me? Now, Peter is beyond embarrassed. He is 
is grieved. In fact, he is weeping. And this is finally the desired effect that our Lord was looking for. The fact that Peter finally now would weep because he had so miserably failed the Lord Three times he had denied the Lord. Three times his love for the Lord is called into question. And by the way, Jesus knew exactly how he would answer. Peter did love the Lord, or else Christ would have never even committed him to the call of feeding his sheep. He would have said, Peter, I know you don't love me, and I'm not about to commit my sheep into your care. I want a man after my own heart that I know will love my people and care for them. So it's obvious that the Lord knows that Peter, although he had failed, that Peter loves him. See, the question was not for the Lord's information. The question was meant for Peter and the others. They needed this. And it's in the light of Peter's failure that the Lord is insisting on a public proclamation of his love before he proceeds with the work that he'd been called to do. But that's Peter. How about you? How would you answer the Lord's inquiry? Do you love me like I love you? Or are you even fond of me? Now that's the inquiry, but I want you to notice the importance of it. And you know, a lot of times our minds are occupied with questions that, that in reality are not even important at all. What's for supper? How many times have we asked you that? Well, some of us just about every day. What's for supper? Who do you think will win the ball game? You think it'll rain today? You see, we ask all kinds of questions like that and really, really not important at all. But sometimes there are questions that are of major importance. Questions like, how can I pay my bills this month? Will my loved ones be safe? Will I recover from this illness? Is is there any hope at all? So there are some questions that are of great importance, but the fact remains at no time will there ever be a question more important than this question. Lovest thou me? Do you love the Lord? I could preach on a lot of different subjects this morning, but I couldn't. Listen, the only thing more important than whether we love the Lord or not is whether He loves us or not. And we've established that fact He does. To such an extent that He laid down His life for us. So the question is not about the Lord and His love for us. The question is our love for the Lord. Whatever other questions you might have on your mind this morning, you need to dismiss all of those and focus on your love for the Lord. It doesn't make any difference who you are, what you've accomplished. You might be way up on the social ladder and think that that question's not apropos for you, but it is. You might be a very religious person. 
and think that there is no reason for anyone to even inquire as to whether you love the Lord or not. But actually there is. You see, a lot of people are religious but lost. A lot of people are religious. In fact, they, they love religion in a sense. But their religious activity is no substitute for their love for the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Christianity is about more than just studying about Jesus. I'm afraid in most churches what we've done is that we've just become a group of students where we just learn. We come week after week after week after week and we fill the file cabinet of our mind with information that we never intend to use. But you see, Christianity is a relationship. It's a relationship established on a mutual love. The fact that God loves us and that we love Him. And no one has a right to call God their Father who doesn't love Christ. The Bible is very clear about that fact. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anaptha maranatha, that is, condemned or cursed at the coming of the Lord. There is a curse upon all of those who love not the Lord. If this, if this matter of love is uh, necessary for, for the Lord to bring into question related to Peter, you and I need to think about it also. Now think about all the questions that the Lord could have asked. He could have said, Peter, why did you deny me? That, I mean, you know, that's a reasonable question, right? Why did you deny me? Was it because you were frightened? Was it because you didn't think I would take care of you? He could have asked, Peter, do you trust me? He could have asked, Peter, will you obey me? He could have said, Peter, why didn't you tell others about me? He could have said, Peter, how about writing a new hit song about me? He didn't, he didn't even say anything about, Peter, I want you to preach next week about me. No, the question is, Peter, do you love me? Lovest thou me? You see, when you answer that question, you've just discovered the answer to all of those other questions. So many people wrestle with all of these questions related to their Christianity they try to figure out, you know, should I do this or should I do that? Listen, it all boils down to the fact that if we love the Lord, we're going to do what we ought to do. We see the importance of this in several different ways. First of all, it's an evidence of salvation. Now, we know that the Bible teaches in Ephesians chapter 2 that by grace are we saved through faith. Right? And it's not of works, lest any man should boast. But the faith that saves us changes us. The faith that saves us is accompanied by good works. The faith that saves us is based upon the fact that we have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And mark it down, if there's no evidence of love for Christ, there's no evidence of salvation. I've heard people talk about being a Christian who was the drunk of the county. 
I've heard people profess to be Christians who lived ungodly lives. They knew it. Everybody else knew it. They would explain it away by saying, well, I know you know that I ought to do better. I know that I'm not as good as I ought to be, but, 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 but at least I'm a Christian. You know, my question is, what makes you think so? Well, you say, I feel good about myself. I, you know, I think my chances are good that I'm going to make it into heaven. Yeah, but you're not the judge. You're not the one to make the final determination. That's God's business. And the only way that we are accepted by the Father, according to Ephesians 1, verse number 6, is when we accept His Son. He's the one that makes us accepted. And we love Him because He first loved us. That's the evidence of salvation. Not only that, it's important because this is what energizes us for service. We're not saved because we serve the Lord, but we serve because we've been saved. And it's not just a matter of doing it out of a sense of duty. If we're going to serve God faithfully, if we're going to serve God cheerfully, it has to be because we love Him. There's no other motivation that will work because sooner or later... The days will get so difficult, the road will get so rough, the opposition so fierce, there will be something that will bring you down and knock you off of your perch. There will be something that will destroy your enthusiasm to the point that you just want to throw in the towel and give up. And it's then that that nothing but our love for God will keep us going. It's also important because it is essential for our unity. We're all different. Every one of us. We might be different in the color of our skin. We might be different in our our political affiliation. We might be different in the ball teams that we root for. We've been raised different, you know, we... Come from different backgrounds. We have different preferences in regards to a lot of things. But listen, if we're Christians, we have one thing that we can all agree upon, and that is our love for the Lord Jesus Christ. There might be minor doctrinal difference. We might not agree on exactly how, you know, the church ought to function and operate. But boy, there can be no question about whether or not we love Jesus Christ. And that's the thing that binds us together. It's not because that we are, you know, so good that we are irresistible. That everybody, everybody just got to love me. Let me tell you, the only reason I love some of you is because Jesus loved me. If He didn't, I'd hate your guts. And I'm sure the feeling is mutual. I mean, that's just the truth of the matter is. But I'm glad that the Lord makes such a difference that He enables us to love one another unconditionally. You can't do anything to make me stop loving you. Regardless of what you do, if my heart's right with God, I'm going to love you. So it's important. It's not only important, it's something that the Lord is inquiring about. But because it is so important, we need to think about the indications 
of it. Sometimes, you know, we make things more difficult than what they really are. And, you know, just common sense tells us whether we love Christ or not. How how do you know you love anyone? He said, well, I get goosebumps when I get around her, you know. (laughs) Now, you might might have food poison. (laughs) Uh, That's really not an indication of love necessarily. So how do you know? Well, it's easy to figure out, number one. Let's think about it. Whenever you love someone, you like to think about those you love, right? You like to think about them. They're on your mind. There was a boy two years behind me in high school by the name of Wayne Carson. Wayne became a songwriter. In fact, he wrote the song, You Are Always On My Mind. He sang in the clubs there around Springfield, and I listened to him sing many times, and he went on to Nashville. But that song, you know, won all kinds of awards. It has to do naturally with the love between a man and a woman. But that's the illustration I'm using. When you love someone, they're always on your mind. You can't get away from it. You're thinking about them continually. And even so, when you love the Lord... He's always on your mind. You think about Him every day. Let me tell you, if you can go through a day without thinking about Christ, you've got some serious spiritual problems. I don't know how you go a minute without in some way thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only do you like to think about them, we like to learn about those that we love. You know, we want to know about their feelings We want to know what they're thinking and their opinions and what have you. We want to know about their likes and their dislikes, their interests, their concerns. And whenever we love the Lord, listen, we not only want to hear about Him, we want to hear from Him. And He speaks through His Word. I remember reading the story about a little elderly Welsh lady who walked several miles every Sunday to hear an Englishman preach. And she couldn't understand English other than the word Jesus, of course. And so somebody asked her, why in the world do you walk all of the way over there to that church to hear that man preach when you don't even understand English? And she said, well, it blesses my heart just to hear my Savior's name mentioned so much. He's my kind of preacher. He talked about Jesus so much that she would walk that far just so she could hear the name of Jesus. There is something about that name. And one of the evidences of our love for Him is that we want to learn of Him. Not only that, we want to please those that we love. If all of the earthly things that I love. And I've often said this, the, the sweetest sound to my ears above everything. Brother Barry, where'd you? wow, I, I love that. That was awesome. I, I love to hear these people sing and what have you. But the one sound above everything, I even love to hear the babies cry out there. 
That just blesses my heart. I'm, I'm so glad they're here. And, but the one sound above everything else in the world, and I'm not making it up, I'm telling the truth, is my wife's laughter. I'd rather hear her laugh than hear anything that I can think of, and I mean that with all of my heart. To hear her laugh, because I know whenever she's laughing that she's happy and, and, and what have you. My, my favorite sight is to see her smile. And my, maybe my greatest fear is to see her frown. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. But I, I, you know what I mean, don't you? That whenever you love someone, you, you want them to be pleased. And when you love the Lord, you want to please the Lord. Boy, if, if, if whenever, whenever it's all over and said and done and I stand before the Lord, if I can just hear Him say, well done, man, that'll, listen, that'll make all of it worthwhile to know that He was pleased with my life. Not only that, but we like to speak with those that we love. And whenever it comes to being a Christian, prayer ought to be as natural as breathing. It ought to be as natural as talking to somebody that you love. We long to be with them. We think about living in communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. And every Christian, every person that truly loves God delights in spending that time with the Lord. Not only that, but we we like those who love those that we love. You listen? We like those who love the people that we love. Now, that's more important than you think. In other words, if somebody is my friend and you like my friend, I'm going to like you as a result of it. It doesn't make you my best friend, but... If you don't like my friend, then we're going to have, you know, some problems. But the point is, where I left off on the last point, the mutual bond between all of us is what? The fact that we love the Lord. And you see, whenever, whenever we love the Lord, we love those other people who love the Lord. I remember when I was in Germany preaching over there, and uh, we uh, we went over and uh, picked up a bus load of of Russian. Uh, I don't know how to describe them exactly. They'd been imprisoned in Russia there for years, and finally they were allowed to go back to Germany. And uh, and, and th- these people came back, and it was such a sad story. And uh, of course, a lot of them had been born over there in Russia during that time. And so whenever they come over to Germany, they don't have anything. But they had, they had bought an old factory building and fixed that up as their place of worship. But, but anyway, we picked them up and we brought them over to where we were having the meeting. And uh, they began to sing. I couldn't understand a word they were saying. But I want to tell you, because I knew the tune to the song, we were on the same wavelength. And there was just that connection. I knew they loved my Savior. 
And it made me love them, although I'd never met them before in my life. The Apostle John said, you know, if we say that we love God and hate our brother, we're a liar. The truth is not in us. You see how important this is? And the evidence of it is that we love those who love the one that we love above all. Now, let's think about the inspiration of this. How it motivates us. How it changes. How it affects us. I mean, we stand here all day and talk about Peter. There's so many other things about that story that we could talk about. He said, lovest thou me more than these? What was he talking about? Well, did that have reference to the other the other disciples, what was he talking about? You, you see, there's just so much more to the story than what we've got time for. But I want this to be personal with you this morning. I want you to think about how you are affected by the fact that you love the Lord. Loving Christ and knowing that we are loved by Christ inspires us like absolutely nothing else on the face of the earth can do. I, I'm... I remember reading the story about this preacher, and he was trying to drive home a point. He was talking to this woman, and she had recently had a new baby. And he said, Madam, are you taking care of your baby? Are you feeding him food? Are you keeping adequate clothes on him and so forth? And she said, Of course, sir. You know that, 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 that I am. And uh, the preacher continued. He just went right on. He said, Now, you know the law says that you have to take care of your child. So do you do those things because you're afraid of going to jail? And she said, not at all. She said, I do them because I love my baby. I don't need a law to tell me to do that. Now, are you listening? I'm going to wrap all of this up, but I want you to get this. I want you to understand how important it is to you to love the Lord Jesus Christ. We do not need a law-based system to regulate our conduct. That's legalism. We are subject to the law of love, not, not a list of rules. You see, it's not because I must. It's not because I am being threatened with punishment. It's not even because I am being promised a reward. It's love for Christ that inspires me to do what He would have me to do. Now, make no mistake about it. The possibility of chastisement and the promise of a reward does affect me. If that doesn't affect you, there's something wrong. If you're a child of God, you better be concerned whether or not you're in the will of God because if you're a child of God out of the will of God, you're going to get a spanking. He's going to chastise you. And there's no doubt about that. He said if we be without chastisement, then we're bastards and not sons. That ought to scare some people to death. Some people will assume, well, you know, I must be in the will of God because nothing bad's happened to me. And, I, you know, I, I know I haven't been living right. Well, listen, if you're a Christian, 
You can't get by with that. The possibility of chastisement ought to affect you. The promise of a reward ought to affect you. Did not Jesus say, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven? Of course He did. That ought to be a motivation. But the primary motivation above everything else is my love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Every Christian should make the commitment the bond slave made in the Old Testament. The law of the bond slave is mentioned in Exodus chapter 21. And after a man had served out his time, he was given the option of whether or not to stay and to remain a bond slave for life or to take his freedom. If he chose to remain where he was as a servant to his master, there was a public ceremony where they went out, he put his ear against the doorpost and they took an awl and pierced his ear indicating that his ear was open to the sound of his master's voice and he was willing to do whatever his master wanted him to do. But now listen to the proclamation he had to make publicly. He had to say, I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I will not go out free. And with that and the piercing of the ear, he was making a lifelong commitment that he could never get out of. Why would he do that? Because he said, I love my master. And whenever you love the Lord like you should love the Lord, you won't need anyone to beg you and to plead with you to support the church. Because Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Because of what the church means to Christ and because of the commands associated with that, you'll be faithful. You, listen, you won't need the threat of chastisement or the promise of a reward to get you to tell your friends and neighbors about Jesus. The fact that you love Jesus will motivate you to tell others about his love. That reduces everything down to the most simple terms possible. That is the fulfillment of what? The first and the great commandment. That we love the Lord our God with all of our heart. And the question, the only question that remains is this. Now I'm going to ask it in the third person as though Christ is speaking. Lovest thou me? How would you answer? If you've never received Christ as your Savior, the answer is clearly no. But even if you've been saved, even if you do love the Lord, there is a sense in which we have failed so miserably that our love for Him has to be called into question. Because as far as others are concerned, they can see no evidence of it. What do you suppose those other people standing there that day thought about Peter after he denied the Lord? 
Only to learn later that this really was the man. The, he, he was one of the apostles. Why did he do that? I mean, they were bound to be thinking about that. Why would a man so devoted to his master deny his master? Now, as important as that is, the most important thing is not what others thought about it. The most important thing about Peter and his situation, most important thing about me and you is what does Jesus think about it? Peter was grieved to the point of tears. I just wonder this morning, how about you? Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you for loving us in that while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. We don't understand that. We can't even comprehend the greatness of that. Try as we may, we know that whenever we've done our very best just touching the hem of the garment, that we can't even begin to imagine how you could possibly love us when we're such sinners. But yet we know that you do, and you proved it. You proved it by the giving of your Son who died on the cross, who gave his life that we might have life. Help us this morning, Heavenly Father, to love you as we should. Whenever our love grows cold, whenever our heart becomes indifferent, when our feet go astray, when faults and failures cause others to question our sincerity, help us to do as Peter did, to be so grieved that we weep and may we repent of our failure. Lord, if there's one here today that's a stranger to your saving grace, I pray that the Spirit of God might move upon their heart and draw them to Jesus. For we beg it in His dear name.